Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Draft Apocalypse. Seven days after round one, it's taken us a whole week to collate our thoughts and get back to it. It is Thursday night for those of you not listening to, not watching on the live stream, if you are here, thanks for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. Hit the little bell to make sure you're aware of when anybody at the 5 Yard Network goes live. If you fancy supporting the show, do head over to Patreon and you know we have several tiers over there that you can jump in and join. If you'd like some uh, back, like sort of secrety Patreon stuff, we do that over there if you are a subscriber. But hey, his title says it all. I hope you are ready for some absolute bars of devastation, Murph. Your title says the creator of chaos. How are you, my man? It's been a whole week. <coughs> Excuse me. It's been a... <laughs> It's because I'm the creator of chaos, right? It has been a, a week, uh, a lot to digest. Um... I'm back to where I was at the start of the show last week, which is I'm not infused about <laughs> this class. Absolutely. And and then I got peaked a little bit by speaking to you and Pat, and then I'm back to where I was. I think there's a, a handful of very good uh, fantasy players. I think there's a, a few very good NFL players, and then I just think there's a lot of guys, a lot of dudes that are fine. There's no I'm not trying to ruin the hate but i don't think there's a huge amount to get excited about i kind of felt like this a few months ago i started trading away my picks and i feel very good that i've done that uh on the back of the rookie picks is what i mean for this year on the back of what we're seeing i've got some future 2024 picks i've got some nice pieces for now i feel pretty good to have gotten out of this because i think if you're picking outside of the 108 I don't think there's a lot left. I think you're hoping that guys hit, but I think outside of 
eight, ten players. I think that's all you're kind of hoping will get a reasonable yeah. amount of success from and everyone else's hope. And I think yeah. I'm quite happy to deal out of that and and continue. But yeah, I, I thought it was a good draft. I, a lot of the stuff that people predicted would happen didn't happen. Oh a lot God. of the stuff <laughs> a lot a lot of the stuff that we thought might happen, Bijan to the Falcons did happen. Um member calling them loons for taking uh Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Pitts. And yeah. therefore, they had formed to do it again. And sure enough, that's what happened. Um, so I was in exactly the same position as you. I was, I was quite, I, the draft for me is quite exciting because yeah. I try and do a lot of my wheeling and dealing dynasty wise before the draft because I feel like there's a bit of value you can get there if players mm-hmm. drop or fall and stuff like that. So we are going to touch on some dynasty stuff today. Obviously, there is a dynasty pod. They're a bit more in-depth. Murph and I are going to try and look at this from a redraft and dynasty. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and cover as many players as possible. As per Murph and I, we're aiming for an hour, but who knows how far this is going to go. <laughs> I I was... I did So I've got two main leagues. Murph and I are in one, and then I'm in another league where I, it's a full rebuild. And I had... Somehow, I managed to fit, uh, finish eighth out of ten, not get the 101, even though my team was completely horrendous <laughs> the whole year. I, I won two games at the end, which cost me the 101. So I had the 103, but then where I traded picks, I also had the 106 and the 110. I managed to trade the 16 and the 110 for the 103. Uh, the 102, sorry. So, But the guy with the 101 wasn't going to give it up for less than three first-round picks. I was not prepared to pay that because of the premium that this league has on it. Because last year, get this right, the running back 16 outscored the wide receiver one in this league. So, <laughs> not, only, not only that, it's start three running backs. So it is, it's just carnage. So I thought to myself, all right, I'm not going to get Bijan here. That price is well beyond me. I'm going to have to settle for Gibbs and Charbonnet. Now, okay. I'm not sure I want Charbonnet at, uh, at 103. Well, and- I, don't, I don't hate it, given the premium. And we'll get into Charbonnet. I don't hate it. I think if you're the... Um, if you're the, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's one of those. I don't think it's a bad spot. I don't think it's an amazing spot. Not, I think people are more spot. upset about Kenneth Walker, and, and and rightly so. So they should be. But it, it when we were going into draft night, you know, I said, oh, the, the, the Bengals they could they could move Mixon on June first, and that that could still happen. But they're a lock for for a running back, and you know they they don't pick till when do they pick? It's the, uh, Chase Brown, fifth round, something like that. So, it, it, you know, we're, that didn't happen. And then Charbonnet to the Seahawks, Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet are now sharing that monster of a backfield. And you go and you get the uh, the head coach come out with his standard head coach speak about, you know, they're going to share everything, not just first and second down, but third down. And mm-hmm. Pete Carroll doing the most Pete Carroll things. And it's just, yeah, I went from a hugely enthused like you did from that draft to hating it after <laughs> after the draft had finished for those picks because they're the only early picks I've got. And in mm. my other league with you, I'm picking at 110. So it's both ends of the draft. And I thought I'd done really well in building up my picks for that. And, and lo and behold, and the thing is, I can't even take Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba with the 103 because I've got AJ Brown, Jamal Chase, Drake London, uh, and... Sounds like you're trading out of that pick, mate. 
No, I'm not because I need a running back. I need a running back more than I need to trade back. Yeah, but if so you I'm, end up, but you I'm, can trade, you can trade back. No, I can't. And go and get and and go and get some. Like it depends. Like I still think there's guys you can get later in the like. For example, Tank Bigsby, uh, Kendra Miller. These are all guys I think have some form of role. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I have Charbonnet. The running back tier is weird. I've moved my rankings around. We'll get into them in a bit. But it, for me, it, like, I don't hate it for Charbonnet. We know what Pete Carroll's like. Pete Carroll invested in running backs. He always has. He always will. He took Rashad Penny in the first round. He took Kenneth Walker high. And now he's taken Charbonnet high. Like, this, this shouldn't have been a big surprise. I think people are really shocked by it. Maybe because he was still there. As opposed yeah. to, as opposed to the fact of his landing spot, but we shouldn't be should we shouldn't be surprised. And they've always run dual. I I I wouldn't say I believe Pete Carroll entirely, but I think Charbonnet has as good a chance as any to get significant work. But from a redraft, we'll get into Charbonnet. I guess we'll do it now. But Charbonnet for me in the redraft is a late round pick, and you take a flyer on him. I think he contributes. I think you're looking at, and I haven't done my full rankings yet. Maybe someone on the fringes of the top 24 running backs, which I think if you're starting three, the way you got to look at it with three in a 10-team... Is it 10-team league? Yep. So he's going to be inside the top 30 running backs. So if you've got that much of a premium on running backs, I still think you have to take Charbonnet. So, or you trade out. Or you trade out and then you go and get two guys. If you can get two picks for that pick... And go back right. to say the one hundred seven, one hundred eight. Go and get two guys and hit one, and hope one of them hits. Yeah, my my worry is that because of the premium on running backs, I'm not going to be able to move. If I move back a couple, then that's fine. But no one's going to want to pay the premium to come up. And if I go back further, I think just with the 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 the, the value on the running back in that league, I just think it's going to get smashed in the first few picks. I think only a couple of wide receivers will go. And then when it does get to me at seven or eight, there's going to be nothing left. <laughs> and then I'm in the, <sighs> yeah. There's a great chapter in the, in the 2023 playbook, which is still being written. And, and I hope to have out at some point mid to late June, uh, talking about the devaluation of running backs in 2023. <laughs> You should give it a read. It'd be useful um, because yeah, there's just not that many premium running backs anymore. Therefore, your league is kind of set into a perennial play. You should go and just sign Jarek McKinnon. Now he's back at the Chiefs and and go. No, because the worst thing about start him is there is also no one on the waivers. There's no yeah, one on the waivers. There's there's it's, it's just because the running back thirty is useless in its own right, and you've vol- you vaulted the running back thirty to be a really valuable. I love it. Amazing, Kamish. I've had this conversation with you. The rest of the league needs to listen, and we need to increase the premium on wide receivers. Anyway, uh, we've done 10 minutes already. We haven't even got into day one of the draft. We are a week behind, and everybody we talk about now, you've probably heard. And this is going to be our thoughts on these players. You know, we're not going to try and reinvent the wheel on this. We're not going to try to tell you stuff that other people have already told you or haven't told you and, and try and be new and flashy. This is just Murph and I going through the draft together. You're along for our thought process on this. So Murph, we're, we're starting round one. What do you want to do? Do you want to go through all the round one players and then, or do you want to talk about them individually? Uh, let's talk about them individually. I think you can cap me at 
sort of a, a 30 seconds to a minute. We'll start a minute on round one and we'll do 30 seconds, 45 seconds on the rest. Okay, that's, that's your challenge, Ross Nation. Get in the comments if you think that we're taking too long. Let's yeah. start a pick one. Obviously, Darkly. Bryce Young went pick one to the Carolina Panthers. Wasn't going to be anybody else. What do you think about Bryce Young landing here, Matt? Not, not a huge shock. I think we kind of knew it was going to happen. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I think you've got to look at it as it's pretty decent. He's got a bit of rushing ability. Someone I project will get 400, 500 yards potentially on the ground next year. Um, bit of a weak cast he's throwing to. They did give him Jonathan Mingo. Um, so I think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. Um, he would be a guy I would expect to finish as the quarterback two out of this rookie class in his rookie year. Um, I, and I imagine he's probably... I'd argue now he's probably the third quarterback in this class that you'll want to own and therefore the third quarterback off the board in a Superflex draft. So you're probably looking at getting him in a Superflex rookie draft around about the 104. I can argue that people might argue the other way and take him over Stroud. I'm not going to talk you out of that. Um, I it's personally would go Stroud. Those two, isn't it? Like those I two think they're very two. close. I think yeah. they're very close. I would probably just more inclined go Stroud because of the arm talent. And I actually think he's probably got a slightly better receiving cast than, um, than Young. But Young has a better coach in Frank Reich. So... Yeah. Wouldn't shock me if one finished above the other, but I have him as QB2 in his rookie year of this rookie class and probably QB3 going forward for fantasy reasons. In real life, I like him a lot more than fantasy, but he's a decent <laughs> pick and it will get better for him, but rookie year might be a little rough. So he's not someone you'd be looking to acquire in a redraft league, um, and not unless it's super flex, in which case I'd have him sort of nearer the the mid twenties is kind of in a, in my head kind of rankings where I've got him. Yeah. So next up we've got CJ Stroud. Well done, Houston, for picking CJ Stroud at two, not taking Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. They did the sensible thing, took CJ Stroud second pick overall. And then just we're not going to talk about it, but they did then trade back in at number three and, and not pay too much for the best player in the draft. So Houston couple of years ago traded away Nuke for almost nothing. You know, I've had some farcical results recently. Suddenly, Houston have made a couple of decent picks really quickly and, and started the next chapter of the the Houston Texans really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I said last week I'd, I'd take Will Anderson Jr. and forget about quarterback. They decided to go both. I love the aggression of it. Um, I think because they got Will Anderson Jr., I like it a lot more than if they'd left him on the board. Yeah. Um, I don't think they overpaid for Anderson Jr. I think it's well worth what you've done. If you, you've got to take into consideration they traded a player who was effectively persona non grata in Deshaun Watson, got a haul for him, and then have used the parts of that haul to go and get Will Anderson Jr. And I think it's great. Character-wise, couldn't ask for two better players. Stroud, I think, has a better supporting cast, especially, I think, having a receiver like Robert Woods especially for someone like CJ Stroud, it's going to be invaluable. I think that's really going to give him a good platform to get started. Um, I'm not expecting this to be fireworks. I do think out of the three quarterbacks taken early in this draft, he's the QB I would have as the QB one in rookie year. He's the one out of the three I'd feel more comfortable starting. I probably project him somewhere in the low teens to twenties um, for this year. Yeah. And I think he's, he's for me, the, the safest prospect of them all. I think he's got a half-decent support. I don't think it's amazing, but I don't think it's bad. Um, and I think he'll he'll do fine. I think he'll be a decent 
quarterback. I don't don't project him to be a top ten or a top five and shoot the lights out, but I think he's going to be okay. Um, I would see him again going at the one hundred and three in dynasty uh, superflex drafts. I probably wouldn't spend the first round pick and some at the tail end the first and need the quarterback um, in a one QB. But I get it if you need a quarterback. You know, you're probably, I wouldn't say you're going to reach for him, but you're going to pay a first round pick for him. Um, but yeah, I think, I think out of the three is the safest prospect. I think he's the one I can see having the longest longevity in the, in the league. And I think from a dynasty perspective, he's probably holds not necessarily the most value, but the safest value. He's the one that I can see still being a starting quarterback in five years. I don't think I can say that with as much confidence for Bryce Young, although I don't think they're that far apart. And I definitely can't say that with any confidence for Anthony Richardson, who we'll get to next. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about Anthony Richardson. After us saying that he shouldn't be taken in the first round, the Indianapolis Colts picked him at number four in the first round. Huge hype about this. Do you... I'm assuming you've got him as your quarterback three, Murph, in Dynasty. Is that is that where we're no, at? No, I've got him as my quarterback one in Dynasty, but I've got right. him as my rookie year as quarterback three. Gotcha. Um, I just don't, I'm not convinced he starts day one. And that's the difference. I think Young Young and Stroud are good to go. They're good to go. They've got no competition behind them. They've been taken as bona fide. They're going to start the season. I think, and I've said this a million times, I'm going to rehash. I think he's raw beyond belief. I don't think he's ready to start. I'd sit him for two years. Indianapolis clearly have a different view. And that's obviously they get paid a lot more than I do. And they're professionals. So I can't sit here and say they're wrong. But I think he's going to start. When you're taking the quarterback at 104, I don't think he starts day one. I think they start guard the Minshew. But by week four, week five, yeah, I imagine Anthony Richardson probably starts because I think the fans will clamor for it. Unless yep. Minshew shoots the lights out. Which, if that happens, that's, that's the best thing that could happen to the Colts is that Minshew shoots the lights out. Because they win now. They take the pressure off Richardson. Richardson gets the time to develop and learn and get better. But he's a Shane Steichen quarterback. I think long-term, from a fantasy perspective, Anthony Richardson can go to the moon. His rushing numbers, we're looking at a player very similar to Cam Newton uh, physically, but probably a type similar to Jalen Hurts in playing style. Um, or Justin Fields. So I think he's someone who hasn't got... Uh, Justin Fields is probably a better fit because even though he's bigger and stronger, he'll have designed runs in his in his game. As, um, but Jalen Hurts, obviously Shane Steichen coached Jalen Hurts last year. We can see similar yeah. sort of design and offense um, that will suit uh, Anthony two, Richardson. Two-part question on Anthony Richardson and Murph. One, if he doesn't start the season, do you think Jonathan Taylor starts the season better? Until Anthony Richardson, because running rushing quarterbacks always hurt running backs. That's a, you know, we, we see that in fantasy. They mm-hmm. take, they take goal on carries, they take rushes, they take design plays. Therefore, yeah. impacting your style of running backs. Do we think Jonathan Taylor starts the season better and falls off a cliff? In read, not falls off a cliff. Sorry, that's that's too strong. But will he decline once Anthony Richardson starts? And should you look to sell him after a couple of weeks if he has a hot couple of weeks? And two, what else does that do for the likes of the wide receiving core and uh, Alec Pierce and what's his name? Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman. There you go. Yeah, don't forget they took Josh Downs as well. I think Alec. I think Alec Pierce is almost a white flag at this point. Um, Okay. Potentially. Josh Downs fell a long way, a long way. I mean, we're talking, and we'll get to him. He's a player that people talked about in the first round, and now he's dropped to the third round. Uh, 
I'm not going to call him a steal, but he is what he is. I think you've got Pittman and you've got Downs. Yeah, Pierce might get some time. I, the bottom line is, I think Pierce's fantasy value is gone with the addition of Downs and Anthony Richardson. Th- that offense is not going to sustain three wide receivers. It's just not going to happen. Now, Pierce had a few good games. He might usurp Downs. It's going to be one of them, right? One of those, only one of those guys. Is going to be maybe fantasy relevant. They could cannibalize each other and neither be fantasy relevant. Um, I like it for Michael Pittman. I think he shoots up for me potentially because I think he will throw the deep ball. Anthony Richardson's not scared to. Whether or not he lands it is something different. <laughs> but I think I think Pittman will be fine. I think going back to Taylor, it's a difficult one. The bottom line is we haven't seen Shane Steichen with a a, a workhorse. We know what the the Eagles' offense last year was about having maximum amount of plays. They do a lot of fourth down uh, sneaks, fourth down and go for it, uh, led the league in that category to generate extra plays. Those extra plays, therefore, positively impact the running backs because they get the first down, second down. Miles Sanders had a very good year last year. Um, He's hampered by the fact that there was a proper committee there. We don't have that in Indy. It's straight Jonathan Taylor. So I'm not saying that he's going to put out 1,800 yards and 16 touchdowns, but I do think he's on for a good year. Uh, I think he will start better, and then I think it has declined slightly. But the bottom line is there isn't elite running backs anymore. There isn't that many um, who are going to put up those elite games. I think Jonathan Taylor does. I wouldn't sell him. I would hold him because I think you're going to get two good years out of him in a Shane Steichen offense. And they'll generate the extra plays of what he would lose if he was, say, in a Chicago, for example, where you've yeah. got that running back because they don't generate enough plays to sustain the running back, the wide receivers, and the quarterback. Having Shane Steichen, whatever you would lose from having those design rushing plays, he'll manipulate those plays back by gaining extra plays, which quite a few of them will go to Jonathan Taylor, especially those first down carries. So if they go for it on fourth down, you'll likely see Jonathan Taylor run for it on first down. Uh, more often than not. So that's where I see a difference um, potentially. So I wouldn't say he's a huge arrow down with Richardson, but maybe a slight one. But I still think he's going to be a top a top five QB, uh, running back this year. Talking of uh, top five running backs, Bijan Robinson, Atlanta Falcons picked him at number eight, as we said they may well do in loon mode, Murph. Do you have Bijan in your initial thought process rankings cracking the top five or is he no. close i don't um i just don't trust that atlanta offense enough to put him that high again we're going back to generation of plays i really like their quarterback right i, I you know i loved him coming into into the nfl i loved yep. him as a prospect but i knew he would take time and we need time I still don't think that offense is great. They don't have an alpha receiver. I mean, they. I mean, you have Drake London, but and he should be that role. He needs to elevate up to that level. We didn't see anywhere near enough Drake London last year. You got Kyle Pitts. We haven't seen anywhere near enough from Kyle Pitts so far in the NFL for what his talent is. I'm not saying he's been terrible, but I'm not saying he's been anywhere near the projected value that people had him at or thought that he would do in the NFL. And I think that's fair. So they need to elevate this offense. I think Arthur Smith, it's a really crucial time for him. And I understand why he's gone for Bijan, because Bijan is going to give them maximum impact on offense. But they ran the ball well last year with Tyler Algier. And they ran the ball the previous year with Cordell Patterson. And those guys are still there. 
I'm not saying that Bijan is going to be hampered that much by those guys, but I do think they take work. Trick plays to Cordell Patterson. I think Tyler Algier is not going to lay over and, and, and roll over and die. I think he's he is a factor. I think it's going to be very unlikely you're going to see Bijan be the workload that people expect because this is the same coach that coached Derrick Henry in Tennessee. And people are kind of expecting that's going to happen. I think it will get that way. I think maybe next year. So I love him for fantasy and dynasty. I, I have him as my 101 in dynasty because I think he is such a separator at the position. I would just expect it probably starts a little slow for Bijan. And I think he grows into being an elite player at the end of the season, especially around your playoffs and tail end of the season. So I don't have him in my top five. I do have him in my top 10. In my head, probably somewhere around six or seven. So close, but no cigar for that top five. Okay, let's talk about another running back. Detroit moved back and grabbed them. Did Jimmy Gibbs at 12? Uh, this got some serious stick. However, when you look at the rest of Detroit's draft, they did exactly what they said they were going to go and do. They got their guys, they got the players they wanted, and they actually came out of it with a really good haul of players, Murph. Jimmy Gibbs at 12. We all know the, the dangers of picking a running back in round one. However, two of them went within the top 12 this year. And Jameer Gibbs, it looked like a bit of a tricky situation for him once you know, DeAndre Swift was there and David Montgomery. However, there was obviously a plan in place to move Swift on instantly once they'd done yeah. this move back. And it, it, <clears throat> it wouldn't surprise me if the, the phone call was already made before they made this pick. And it was just okay. locked in as to who wanted to pay up for DeAndre Swift. And... The Eagles did after not taking a running back in the first round like we thought. So, Jimmy, thoughts on Jimmy Gibbs? I never thought that the Eagles were taking a running back in, in, in the draft in the first round. I never saw that. I just didn't think that's what the Eagles do. Um, I think, yeah, I it, it obviously was in the plans. It was done very quickly. I think it was one of those sort of verbally agreed, let's see how the draft goes on, and then if everyone's happy, we'll push a button. And I think that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Um it's interesting, right? People are sitting there saying they didn't need this player, didn't need a player. Maybe they didn't, especially when you're picking that high and you've got so many holes on your roster like the Lions do. It is a bit of a luxury pick. I don't love picking running backs um, that high when you've got other uh, positions on the roster to fill. They're quite a big cap drain. And the way that they played last year showed with a guy like Jamal Williams, they don't need a big talent to come in. Now, the difference between Bijan and Jamal Gibbs is Jamal Gibbs is very much of the Alvin Kamara type where he get his points on receptions, right? So we're going to see Montgomery be the downhill runner. He's going to pretty much eat on the first down Montgomery. Second down, they'll split here and there. The third down, the two-minute drill, the hurry-up offense will all be Gibbs. So I really like Gibbs in PPR leagues. In a standard league, he's going to be overreached and I probably wouldn't be drafting any Jamal Gibbs in a, in a standard league. In a half-point league, I think you have to see where he's going to go. In a dynasty league, it's interesting. In a in a 1QB, I can see him going at the 102. And I don't hate it, especially in the PPR league. In a standard or 0.5, I'm probably not taking him there because he's not going to get you... He'll probably get a combined 1,000 scrimmage yards. Somewhere like... 1,000, 1,200 maybe, but it's not going to be exclusive one or the other. Yep. Um, where he's going to make his points is receptions, and he'll get a lot of them. We're talking about he potentially with Alvin Kamara out of the picture for a number of games last year. There's there's an argument that Jamal Gibbs in a PPR league could shoot into the top five. 
just purely on the number of receptions he's going to get. The same way that Austin Eckler has got there the last few seasons. Yeah. And what will be interesting is the amount of touchdowns that Jamal Williams ran in last year, how much of that opportunity is going to go to Gibbs and how much of that is going to go to Montgomery. That's what we don't know. The... Because if, if Gibbs turns into a 10-15 touchdown guy, we're talking he can go to the moon. If Montgomery gets all that goal line work like Williams got last year, Gibbs is hampered quite significantly in his route to a top five in a PPR league. I can see him breaking the top 12. I think, I think I, I heard a stat about Jared Goff last year as well. I think eight of the touchdowns that Jamal Williams ran in from short distance were Jared Goff passes down to the one yard line. And you imagine mm-hmm. if, if even if half of those or six of those were carried over by the receiver, that's six touchdowns Jamal Williams didn't have. So we cannot lock in the Lions for short yardage touchdowns because they could they could have gone into the end zone. So you know, there's there's if buts and maybe's with that as well. So. Touchdowns are random. We say this every year. Touchdowns are random. So you're looking at him and thinking, how many touchdowns realistically he's going to get? And that's going to be the big variance in in Gibbs because he could end up with ten touchdowns and be a top top eight player. He could not get those. And he could fall outside the top 15. It really is going to be that close in that group of players that he is going to be touchdown dependent on him hitting his ceiling. I still like him from a floor play in a PPR because I think he's going to probably be the RB2, RB3 in reception points totals in terms of the amount of points he's going to get from catches. So that's where I like him. He's going to be a solid pick to play every week. It's just where's your upside? So I like him in a format where you are thinking about drafting a hero RB early, get your wide receivers, and you target him as your RB2. I really like that as a strategy. I think he's just, he's going to be a good RB2 because you've got the safe floor of an RB2 with the potential RB1 upside. He's one of those guys I would love to target in like the fifth round if he was still there. He might overshoot that value quite significantly, and he might be going in the third round, second round, because people love rookies and they overvalue them. And if that's the case... I'm a little bit more itchy and probably not willing to pay anywhere near that. Yeah, no, but I like his one. upside. I think the upside for him is massive. Yeah, huge, huge. I mean, there was, there's several people out there that I respect who, you know, maybe slightly unnecessarily had Gibbs ahead of Bijan in their rankings. And, you know, you know there's... that's weird. I don't know anyone know. that's done that. Fair play. I will. Um... I'll point you in the direction, but you know that these people, if, if they've seen something, we like you said, they could be to the moon with him as well, right? Let's talk about some receivers, Murph. The guy we're going to talk about first is JSN Jackson Smith and Jigba. He went to Seattle at pick twenty of the first round, fell a little bit, and he started a run of four receivers. So JSN to Seattle, Murph. How do you think this has shaked out? Considering we thought he could be an elite play for fantasy. I don't love it in redraft. I'll be honest with you. Um, if in redraft for me, probably the, the biggest rookie who takes the biggest dive in redraft value. Um, long term, don't mind it in dynasty. He's still my uh wide receiver one. Um, Tyler Lockett's due 15 million next year, he's not getting that. This is a succession plan, but Tyler Lockett's there next year, DK Metcalf's there next year, and now you're adding uh JSN into there. Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks are not going to sustain three wide receivers. Never not going to happen. So for me, JSN in his rookie year, I'm not going to call him a wash. That's not fair. He will contribute. 
but he's not going to contribute anywhere near his real value because Tyler Lockett's still going to command the next amount of targets. Yep. DK Metcalf is still going to be the main dog there, I think. Um, I think he's going to get overdrafted in redraft, and I'm staying away. I think if he's available from the 10th round upwards, I'll, I'll jump in um, and, and buy some because you've always got the opportunity of, well, what if they decide to stop throwing the ball to Lockett because he's out next year and want to go with the rookie? But if they dilute that role between the two of them, uh, yeah, I think the real winner out of that is Geno Smith. <laughs> Geno yeah. Smith all of a sudden looks even more attractive than he did, and he's a very unsexy pick. And I think How if you're holding, dare Gino, you? <laughs> well, I oh, I'm not for me. I I quite happily hold Geno Smith in a few leagues, and I would be quite happy to draft him in a few leagues. But I'm just saying, to everybody, he's not a sexy pick, and. I think we'll see what happens, but I, yeah, for a redraft perspective, I absolutely hate this from a, um, dynasty perspective. I don't mind it. Um, I don't love it. Like I'm not sitting there like jumping over the moon thinking this was the perfect landing spot far from it, but the draft capital was there. He's still the wide receiver one. He's still going to have a great career. He's still my wide receiver one in dynasty, but just be prepared. It's going to be a rocky rookie year for, for JSN. Rocky rookie year is not something easy to say quickly, Murph. Well done, sir. Right, moving on to pick 21 of the first round. The Chargers selected Quinton Johnston, which was uh, an obscure pick for their possible needs. Didn't didn't I say on the pod that this is the pick I really wanted? You did. I'm pretty sure a week ago this is exactly what I said wanted to happen. And uh, I was told that it was locked in. It was going to be Jordan Addison. And I love this pick. I love this pick. Like I love it so much that Quinton Johnston is immediately my wide receiver too uh, in in Dynasty, and I'm not ashamed um, to put him there. I have him in the same tier as Addison and, and Flowers, um, but uh, Quinton Johnston for me just easily jumps up as like he's so exciting. Again, if I'm thinking about rookies year one, I think Johnston has that ability to be the wide receiver one of this rookie class in his rookie year. Um, I just think this is so exciting. Like great offense, great power. There's room for him. They can sustain the wide receivers. Yeah, I to the moon with this pick. I love the landing spot. Love the fit. I think this is going to be an absolute winner. So, dynasty. I would love to get him in as many dynasty rookie drafts as I can. I just think I'd I'd be listen. I wouldn't hate drafting him over JSN if people are nervous about the. Uh, the landing spot or whatever because and yeah. the draft capital is virtually the same i think jsn has a more elite set of traits but i really love johnson i think he's going to be an absolute winner in this league so very excited for this pick um I, like i said i have him as my two uh overall at the wide receiver position behind jsn and in a slightly lower tier but yeah this was a real win because I, I i had him in a tier with a few other guys a couple of them dropped out but yeah i love it Love it yeah. so much. It's going to be really interesting in mock drafts and rookie, early rookie drafts to see how people value these landing spots between these four wide receivers. You know, you've got JSN. Well, they shouldn't and, matter. And, they no, shouldn't on... matter all that much. But in in the rare case, the capital should always outweigh the landing spot, right? But then you have to look at the immediate opportunity to, um, to score points. So yeah. there's some players where landing spots aren't that important draft capitals there they're going to supersede and win it but it's going to take time versus someone like quinton johnson who i think can come in day one because they've all they've ever gone with is mike williams and keenan allen and they've always liked to have a third guy um and i think that 
Keenan Allen is moving on. I don't think they're going to feed him 130 targets this year. I think they're going to try and decrease that and quite happily force feed it to Jordan Addison. So I think Addison's going to have a good a good rookie year. And like I said, wouldn't shock me if he was the, the wide receiver one in his rookie year out of this class. Yep. Uh, Zay Flowers is next up a pick 22. He went to Baltimore after Lamar on draft night. Was it draft night or the night before draft night? It was draft night, wasn't it? They got yeah, it done well, the it was, day off, yeah. It was just after our, our pod. Um, so, yeah, Zay Flowers, Baltimore round one. What do you think with this, with Lamar now signed on the dotted line? Someone needs to tell the organization they don't have to draft wide receivers in the first round. Um, uh, you know, they've done this a few times now with very little success. Marquise Hollywood Brown is currently in Arizona. That didn't work. Rashad Bateman hasn't worked. People keep telling me it's going to work. Yeah, fine, but he's going into year three now. Like, if it doesn't happen feel, this year... I feel, I feel like the Bateman thing is exactly the same as me trying to say LaVisca Chenault's going to work. Like, neither of those is going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Bateman could, given the fact he's not got a huge scene. But again, you've got to remember that this is an offense that's designed around Lamar Jackson. He's going to throw the ball 26 times a game. You split that amongst all the receivers. But what I will say is, on the positive to this, this offense has never had Todd Munkin as their OC before. Yeah. Todd Munkin is a very explosive play caller. We saw that in Georgia. We saw this with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look what he did with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He turned him into literally God for like four weeks, where Ryan Fitzpatrick couldn't do anything wrong. He was coming out in <laughs> Sean Jackson's clothes. Like People forget that Todd Munkin was the one that made that happen. Like Todd Munkin is a very, very good offensive. He's probably the best offensive coordinator, or one of them in the league how he didn't get a job after Tampa and he had to go back to Georgia and then go and turn them into two-time national champions. I don't really know how that fell through the cracks, but anyway, it's Baltimore's game. I think he will scheme up some stuff for Zay Flowers. I'm not as high on Zay Flowers um, than I am, say, on uh, Johnston and Addison. Um, But having said that, he is still in my tier two because the draft capital is that good. They're clearly going to invest in him to, to be something. I just think year one is going to be a bit of a muddle. You've got OBJ there muddling the waters, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews. Uh, I think they've got someone else there whose name's just totally escaped me off the top of my head, but it's a bit diluted there, but OBJ is a short-term play. Um, and then I think it will start to shake itself out. Haven't they got the fella who was at the Patriots last year? As, uh... Juju? No, not Juju. No, not Juju. He's at the Patriots. Um... Oh, this is going to be... He was also somewhere else. All I can think of is Deshaun Jackson, and he's 100% not Deshaun Jackson. There is somebody else there who is... Nelson Aguilar? Nelson Aguilar. Do you know he's a first-round receiver? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. So they have a lot of receivers. Like, you look at what they've got on their receiving core, right? Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, James Prochet, who I still always kind of liked and didn't really get the dark <laughs> up. Devin Duvernay is still there. Yeah. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, you mentioned. they got Mike Thomas, who used to be in Cincy. Um, they got Andy Isabella's on that roster. No. <laughs> yes, yeah, Andy Isabella is, like, listed as the... Why did uh, you the 19th? Like wide receiver 10, wide receiver 11 on that <laughs> roster. I mean, that gets ridiculous. <laughs> so that's what I mean. And he's a second round player. Like, everyone loved Andy as well. So, this is what I mean. They're so deep at receiver. It could take a bit of time. But yeah, I, I listen, I like it long term, short term. 
Yeah. It might be yeah. a bit rough. Okay, next of the four, Jordan Addison to the Minnesota Vikings. I love this pick for Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, people were really down on it, but there's been no other receiver but, Adam you Thielen. know. Yeah, well, Phelan's gone. gone. Exactly. So gone to Carolina. And so, yeah, I love this. Like, I think this is great. They're going to they generate a ton of plays. He's going to get a lot of the ball. He's going to have no competition behind him. It's just going to be him and Jefferson that get the ball on offense. Um, uh, and Let's not forget TJ Hawkinson. Well, yeah, and okay, and Ho- I'm in a receiver, but yeah, okay, Hawkinson's going to get. What I really like about Jordan Addison at receiver is he's going to see a whole load of one-on-one coverage because 100%. Jefferson's going to get doubled. So yeah, let's just you, give Addison the ball. Look at look at the Philly model, right? So you you have AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, who are both effectively in their own rights wide receiver ones. Yep. So one of them benefits from getting minuscule coverage. I mean, that's why Devonta Smith had a better year two than he did year one because they bought AJ Brown. AJ Brown takes all of the coverage, and all of a sudden, yeah, it just gets so much better. Same with Jalen Waddle when they bought in Tyreek Hill. These situations <laughs> are living proof that these guys can both be wide receiver ones on this team. They throw the ball enough. They definitely throw the ball under O'Connell a lot more um, than they did uh, before with you know their predecessing and the previous organization so this isn't in fact this is the biggest sign that someone like dalvin cook is well out of the running for an rb1 spot next season because they're investing in in the ball going forward and vertical and that just ain't dalvin cook anymore so you know forget thinking that alexander madison is a premium running back those days are gone literally just think about this passing attack Kirk cousins looks better as a result of this Jefferson, I don't think, gets a decrease because he's playing that almost hybrid Cooper Cup role. I think this opens up massively for Addison and Hawkinson to get enough targets to sustain them both to be top 12. Well, easily, Hawkinson to be a top 12 tight end because literally you can just fall over in the end zone <laughs> twice and be in consideration for it. But I think Addison could be in the I think he'll definitely be a top 18 player with the potential to be a top 12 player next year. So love it. Um, I have him behind Johnston. I keep going backwards and forwards on this. Um, it's literally down to the fact that I just think that the Chargers is a slightly better offense with slightly more opportunities. But it's minuscule. I could go backwards and forwards on that all day. They're in the same tier. Couldn't hate you going over one over the other. Yeah. You, you talked about top 12 tight ends, Murph. Last pick of the first round, fantasy-wise, Dalton Kincaid. Went to Buffalo in round one, pick 25. How do you feel about this with Dawson Knox being a top 12 quarterback, uh, tight end, sorry, last year, but just falling into the end zone a couple of times? Do we think Dalton <laughs> Kincaid is a top 12 top? Well, well that, that is literally how he did it. He just fell into the end zone quite a bit. If you look at his yardage, it wasn't that impressive. Uh, yeah, listen, I think Jerem- Daniel Jeremiah said it's just if you leave Dalton Kincaid to the Bills, uh, you deserve what you're going to get in this league. And I think 100% they're going to get a significant amount of touchdowns. Um, you got to remember this receiving core has opportunities, has spaces to where it could potentially pick up. Isaiah McKenzie's gone from this roster. I think he's at the Colts now. So there's another player who's fighting for touches at the Colts. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, I look at that and think there's opportunity there. Um, it's going to take a bit of time. I don't like rookie tight ends, um, but long-term potentially could work out. I'm not one that likes to overly invest in tight ends in rookie drafts because I just think you have to wait so long for that pick to mature. Mm-hmm. Does it ever really work out for you? We're talking about, I think, four rookie tight ends in the last 20 years have ended up as a tight end one in their first season. And 
you know, one of them was Kyle Pitts, who had a miserable season, caught one touchdown, and still finished as the tight end eight <laughs> with one touchdown. So he's the only guy that proves you can actually not fall in the end zone, fall anywhere else on the field, and still finish the top twelve tight end. Like that says it all to me about the position. So I'm not a lover of invent of investing in that position unless you get good value. I think Kincaid. People are going to take him in the first round, which I just think in a rookie draft, which I think is wild. Yep. In redraft, I love it. If you can get him in that sort of tight end window that's very late in drafts, nine rounds onwards, yeah, I'd love to have a spin and just see what happens. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. You'll get another tight end on waiver wire. It doesn't overly make any difference. Low risk, high reward in redraft. Very opposite in dynasty. There you go. That is exactly it. Right. That's the first round done. After this little break, Murph and I will be talking about rounds two, three, and perhaps a little bit more. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, Murph, let's do it. Round two. First pick. First pick? Second pick. Second pick. Will Levis went second pick of round two to Tennessee. They came up and got their guy after he slid and slid and slid, and there's just a bajillion... Did he slide? Did he slide? Well, no, no, he didn't slide because we didn't say he was a first-round talent, but he was, you know, reportedly going top two, top five. Then he slid. <clears throat> there's a whole load of memes and gifts with his girlfriend and mum, and it's just completely out of hand, and it's, yeah, Tennessee. Where do we think... Do we think Tannehill's still there, or is this yeah. a situation where... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting... I, 100% Tanner, Tannehill's still going to be there. 100% Tannehill's going to be the factor this season. Will Levis is a potential future guy who could flame out and never see action. He's literally in that window. Um, capital landing spot kind of work in his favour. It could have gone to a lot worse places than Tennessee. There is a path for him to take over, maybe even end the season. Uh, he's not draftable in redraft. You can just sit there and throw him away um, and let him just be sitting on waivers if he does get a start and you want to chance your arm. Dynasty's interesting. People are going to reach for him in the Superflex. People are going to take him in the first round. I absolutely hate it. Like I hate it beyond belief. I don't like the fact that you're going to take a quarterback who is already a risk that all quarterback. There were some quarterback needy teams that passed on him in, in round one. There's a bit of an indictment there that there were some quarterback needy teams who passed on him, um, and we're going to probably pass on him again uh, because we see that with Hendon Hooker and how far he falls. That tells me that the the indictment was if he didn't go here, 
he slid down. People talk about the trade up wasn't a huge cost to trade up in round two. Much easier to trade up in round two than it's in round one. Yeah, I mean he's got the potential, but it, it, I'm literally fifty fifty on him. There is a fifty fifty chance of him throwing a ball in the NFL right now. People sitting there like, oh, he's going to be the heir apparent to uh, Ryan Tannehill. We all thought that with Carl Trask in uh, Tampa behind Tom Brady. None of these things are given. Um, Anything can happen, and we got to see how he develops. But I literally have his odds of throwing an NFL pass, like consistently as as a nominated starter at 50-50. I I can see it happening either way, neither way would shock me. So. I think he's a huge risk in dynasty drafts. I think once you're picking past, so I'd say the line of demarcation in, in dynasty drafts, rookie drafts is sort of around about the 209, 2010. Like that for me, you go first seven, eight picks are players you expect to contribute either really quite soon or are going to contribute significantly on your roster for the next few years. Pick nine to, you know, the next 12 picks, 13 picks, are players who are, have got the potential but also are going to contribute some fantasy numbers. Everyone past then is a crapshoot. So I don't think there's 24 players in this draft that you can say are sure bets to contribute on fantasy football. So I think if you're drafting him any higher than like the 210, you're wasting a pick. I would personally wait till the third round, fourth round, and, and see if he was still there. I wouldn't be investing that much in Will Levis because I think he's such a risk. Let's talk about somebody else who I think could be a great pick in a, a mid-round rookie draft is uh, Sam Laporta, Detroit. Round two, pick 34. Those Iowa tight ends, Murph, they, they do seem to hit different in the NFL and, and Detroit thought so by picking TJ Hawkinson's, you know, replacement. Yeah, and, and listen, I was a bit shocked with this pick. Again, you're looking at Detroit, you're looking at positions in need. Is this a position in need? They had functional tight ends. I know they're not sexy names and didn't do big things, but they were scoring they were scoring touchdowns towards the end of the season. So I don't know. I wouldn't say it was the biggest position in need for them, but they clearly felt they needed another weapon on that offense. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those that I think it could... This is one of those rare tight end situations that I think could catch fire early. You think about the Lions. They're another offense that generate a lot of plays. They're going fourth down a lot. They play fast. They you know They're one of the highest play number teams in the NFL in terms of offensive plays called per game. So I look at situations like that and think someone like Laporta could contribute instantly. He's not got that much competition behind him when you think of value and what they paid to get them on the roster, etc. Uh, there's a significant investment. The draft capital's great. So I think that there's a good option here to get him, you know, Dan, Dan Quinn. Oh, sorry. Um, not Dan Quinn. Um, God, his last name's just totally blown out of my head. How embarrassing is that? Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell loves tight ends. He loves targeting tight ends. He makes them a big part of his roster. I know he traded TJ Hawkinson. They clearly felt they weren't going to pay him the big money long term. They got some value back for him. So I th- I, I like it. Um, I think if anyone from this class is going to have a successful year one, it's going to be him. Yep. 100% agree. Let's talk about somebody else who... At the tight end position, that's Michael Mayer. He went pick 35, the pick after Sam Laporta to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, obviously, they traded um, oh, their tight end to the Giants. His name Darren is Darren Waller. Darren Waller. His, yeah, just vaporized from memory there. Darren Waller <laughs> went to the Giants, and they instantly replaced him with the most serviceable tight end from this class. The most. I think he's the best tight end of this class. 
I still yeah. like him. I don't have him as my tight end one anymore. The draft capital uh, and investment drops him a little bit. But I do I do love Michael Mayer. Uh, I still think he's got the most, the widest skill set. I can see Josh McDaniels using him out wide. I can see him using him in a very different way. Um, I like the fit. I like the, the landing spot. I think he's going to be a good player. Do I think he's going to be an elite tight end? No. Um, but I think he's going to be a very good serviceable tight end for a long time. Um, so yeah, I like him to be a solid tight end contributor and I'd almost put him in that set and forget category, but I wouldn't put him as in that challenging for that elite tier anytime soon. For those of you not watching on the video right now, we are recording at five to eight on Thursday night. And at this time in the UK, it's now golden hour. And if you are watching on the video, you will see my face bathed in golden <laughs> sunshine through the window. This is actually a good picture for a profile picture if I was to take one. So if you're not watching on the video, come watch. Come see me in all my golden hour glory. Love it. Let's move on to pick 39, Murph. We've already talked about Jonathan Mingo. He went at pick 39. Obviously, Yeah, he did. This, uh, I think this is a good pick. I... I initially hated this pick. I had Jonathan Mingo way, way down in my rookie rankings. I had Jonathan Mingo somewhere around about my 15th wide receiver. So he's the biggest jump in my receiver rankings purely of where, of where he's been drafted in the draft, i.e. elite draft capital, you know, spending a top 40 pick on a receiver. He immediately vaults up the board. I've now got him in that, in my third tier, quite a big third tier i have him near the bottom of this tier um so i have one two three four five i have five players in my tier three so if you want i will show my tiers later but he's sort of at the bottom end of that third tier um and some of the guys who are above him were drafted after him but i think that's a talent thing but he has the opportunity to go in straight away he has the opportunity to uh make plays uh quite quickly so yeah i i like mingo I don't think he's uh, an elite player, um, which is something I would, <laughs> you know, I think is going to go against him. But I think he, he has now the potential. Clearly, they see uh, something in him in, in Carolina, and we'll see how it works. Yeah. Okay, let's let's talk about the Jordan Love era now at Green Bay. Luke Musgrave went pick 42, and Jaden Reed, wide receiver, went pick 50. So Green Bay giving Jordan Love some weapons. Yeah, I Jane Reed's another one. Didn't really love him as a prospect, but he's okay. Lower end of okay for me. Um, he jumps up significantly with the draft capital and the opportunity because there just isn't that many guys on that roster. Um, my and then yeah, Luke Musgrave. I mean, they need a tight end. I think they got a bit shafted by this little run here. I don't think they're expecting to get. I think they're expecting to get what probably Laporta. Um, a lot yeah. of people had them taking Dalton Kincaid in round one, um, which didn't happen. Um, and I think they pay a little bit as a result of that by going with Musgrave here. I think he's fine. I don't love, excuse the pun. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's going to be an elite tight end. He's probably going to be the bottom end of a top twelve tight end. He's going to be someone that will just be another guy at the tight end position for fantasy football. In real life, I think he's probably a better player than that. But yeah, I, I, for fantasy, I just I'm very indifferent. Um, Jane Reed. Yeah, he's got the opportunity, but how many times do the Packers take wide receivers in the second, third round? It doesn't really work. Uh, it just happens so frequently. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Their evaluations on players always seem to be far 
different from the rest of the NFL. Um, I think they did well with Christian Watson. Um, I think that pick looks looks good and still continues to look good. But I haven't really trusted what they've done at the receiver position in the draft in the last few years. And I think Jaden Reed is another guy who I can just see just be another guy, not really contribute. He'll get some numbers, but not a guy that will be on my fancy radar anytime soon. For Dynasty, I think he because of the draft capital, he's someone I would sort of keep an eye on. I have him again at the bottom end of my uh, tiers, uh, my tier three. So I have him as my ninth wide receiver nine on my Dynasty board. Um, I think it's only because of the draft capital boots him there over some of the other guys. But I might, given the range of where he might go in rookie drafts, I might be more comfortable taking other guys because I think they've got higher ceilings when we're in the gamble range. Again, not a player I'm taking anywhere near in before the third round. And I think when I get into that territory, I don't see a ceiling that's great for Jaden Reed, whereas I do for other players that we'll get to. So I think I'll take the gamble. Okay, well, let's talk about <laughs> a ceiling player. Zach Charbonnet went to Seattle in the 52nd pick round two. Yeah, we've talked about um, him a lot already, haven't we? So we have, yeah. I think he gets opportunity. I think he gets the ability to do things quickly. Um, but I think it's yeah probably a limited ceiling to start with. But if Kenneth Walker goes down, the Seattle Seahawks running backs get hurt every year. Every year, a Seattle Seahawks running back goes down. Uh, I'm not sitting here saying you should hope for injuries or pray for injuries, but it happens every year. I don't know what is in the water in Seattle. But it happens, and a running back misses significant time. Even happened to Kenneth Walker last year, and when we saw the Rashad Penny reemergence, that got him paid. So that's kind of he's kind of an elite handcuff with running back two uh, options for you. Yeah. So next up, we have a surprise pick for me. Anyway, the Kansas City Chiefs at pick fifty-five took Rashi Rice. I'm just trying to drag up my uh, right up on Rashi Rice, man. Um Yeah, I mean, this this pick absolutely threw me. I just didn't see it. I didn't see it coming. I really thought they were going to take um, Tyler Scott. Like, I just thought they were going to go all out speed, and they didn't, which interests me quite significantly. Um, but I would say that, like, from a dynasty perspective, I think he jumps again significantly up for my board. I think outside of... Um, yeah, outside John Flamingo, I'd say Reed is definitely the sorry, Rice is definitely the biggest jumper on my board. Um, and also because there's such a <laughs> there's just not that many players at wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, so he's got an opportunity to produce straight away. Um, great landing spot, great draft capital, looks good for Rashi Rice. Um, I have him, yeah, I'd say in my uh, in my third tier as well. Okay. Dalton Schultz left the Dallas Cowboys, so they replaced him with Luke Schoonmaker at pick 58. Is this a standard, you know, top 12, possibly tight end Murph, and we'll move on for fantasy at the moment? Yeah, nothing to get overly excited about. Not a guy you're going to draft very highly in your rookie drafts, but a player that, yeah, can be a contributor. Um, I'd keep an eye on what they've already got there uh, at tight end in Dallas, but they sometimes like to roll with different tight ends. No Dallas tight end is ever really long lived was kind of what I've learned after Jason Witten. They last a year or two. So there's a bit of risk there, but I think, yeah, listen, potential to be a good player could work out really well, but yeah, just be a bit careful there. I wouldn't invest too much uh, to get him, but nice sneaky pick and redraft. Yep. Brendan, Brenton strange. Sorry. Pick 61 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
I yeah. This one was the most random pick for me. I didn't really <laughs> I didn't really get it. <laughs> like I just I just I still don't even think I've added him into my <laughs> I actually don't think I've added him into my rankings yet. This is like how wild it was. He's definitely not yeah. Uh, did I put him in? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I did. I genuinely don't think I've got him. I should probably add him in. Uh, yeah, good question. I don't, yeah, the pick was just random. Such a random pick. Where like I can't even see where the opportunity is going to be for him. Like, uh, what year yeah. one? I cannot see where his opportunity is coming from. Can you? Uh, no. No. All right. So I'll tell you what we'll do, Murph. No. We'll give you some time to adjust your rankings, add him in, and we can talk about Brenton. Uh, yeah, I don't think six months. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd have him after Zach. The reason I don't have him in there is because I, I only ranked eight tight ends. And seven. Uh, there's a couple that haven't been drafted yet who I still have higher. I just, <laughs> yeah. But he's stuck behind Evan Ingram, who they've just paid a load of money to. So, yeah, I just don't see anything for him. Well, we've got to the first Denver pick, Murph. Let's talk about Marvin Mims, pick 63. Denver trade up to take the Oklahoma wide receiver. A big fan of Marvin Mims, and I think this is a good landing spot. Um, again, yeah. year one, can't see there being too much, but there's clearly some discontent with Jerry Judy. Um, well, they, they, Jerry Judy got his fifth-year option, so... Yeah, he got his fifth-year option, but that just opens more doors for him to do all sorts. So... I don't know. Like, I think it's a good landing spot. I like him as a player. Um, but, I mean, look, I think he's the wide receiver three on this roster for this year, so I think it's going to be a slow process. But I think if you are, you know, patient with him and I think you stick with him a bit, it could work out well. I just think his rookie year is going to be a bit bumpy. Yeah. I, Sean but I love the player. Love the player, love the landing spot. Rookie year is going to be hard. Sean Payton's traded up four times to the second round to take a wide receiver. Um, three of the names escaped me, but the other one was Michael Thomas. So I'm yeah. not saying he's going to be Michael Thomas, but you know, let's hope for... I have, I have more faith in someone like Shane, Sean Payton trading up to get a player, and I like Marvin Mims anyways. I think, it's a, I think it's a good fit, good landing spot, and I think he's contingency planning for one of Sutton or more likely Judy not to be on this roster in 2024. And I think his speed compliments Judy and Sutton you know he's a he's a rocket and KJ Hamler is consistently broken Tim Patrick was ACL last year he's coming back but what's what's going to happen with him I'm not sure and Mims can contribute in the return game as well so it's it's a big pick big pick there right Murph let's burst through round three my boy Hendon Hooker went to Detroit pick 68 intriguing yeah I He's obviously not going to start this year. Jared Goff's going to, going to start this year, and and will we see Henry Hooker at all? Who knows? But he didn't he didn't fall all the way out of the draft, and has found I think this is a great, this is the kind of range I would have expected him to go, um, and I think this is a good range to have him, and I think it's a good landing spot for him. I think this is this is as good as it could have got for Hendon Hooker. People were drafting in the mock in the first round, kept saying he's not going to play year one. There's no point. Like no one's taking him. No one's spending a first round pick and doing and putting their job on the line, taking a quarterback in the first round who's not going to play year one because of injury. You don't know how he's going to recover from the injury. Round three, guy like Dan Campbell's got quite a bit of job security and a bit of currency in the purse, given how bad that franchise was before he got there. He can afford this pick. Mm-hmm. Again, could be seen as a bit of a luxury pick for a team that you could argue don't have luxury picks to spend and the way that they've spent them in this draft. 
but I think as well, Jared, Jared Goff is not the answer long term. We know this. He's a serviceable QB, but he's not he's not the franchise. So having another guy in there who could potentially work out, and if it doesn't, you know, it's not the end of the world. You're spending, you know, the 68th pick in the draft. It's not yep. you're not spending enough capital for this to be called a complete bust, even if he never plays. Because the opportunity is there. So I, I like it. I like this a lot. This is the kind of range to the kind of team I think would work out for him. And I wish him all the best because I, I do like the player. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good man. I worry about the age, but 2024, you never know. He could compete for a starting spot. We'll see what happens with Goff. If he doesn't, then, you know, he's a backup in the NFL. He's going to get paid very well for it. Okay, next up, we've got Tank Dell, a pick 69 of round three. Murphy, you've got the LA Rams, but did he go to Houston? He went to did Houston. He? That's just a typo. No, um, yeah. So I was not a fan of Tank Dell pre-Senior Bowl. I was an even less fan of Tank Dell after the Senior Bowl and the Combine. Don't like this pick at all. I like it to a degree, but I'm sort of with you. I've got him as my wide receiver 12 now after the draft in this class, and that's purely the draft capital kind of vaults him there. Um, but there's guys that go after him that I actually have ranked ahead of him. Um, so, yeah, I listen, I like him a little, not a lot, but he has an opportunity in Houston with a brand-new quarterback who's not tied to any relationships there. you got a guy like Robert Woods who really is a one- to two-year option tops. I think it's the sort of place that if he can hit the ground running and build a relationship with CJ Stroud, he could go to the moon. Inversely, he could be absolutely nothing. The great thing about having a new head coach with a fairly new GM and <laughs> and a new quarterback is there's no allegiances to anybody here. So no everyone has got the same opportunity to to expand and take over and, and earn opportunities if they train well, connect well and do their jobs well. Yeah. So yeah, I I I get it. I don't think he's the most talented wide receiver I've ever seen. But also, I could totally see him jumping up the board in at the end of the season and being a guy that gets picked up off waivers or a guy that gets picked up or traded for because he starts accruing some points. Whether I think that's long-term sustainable is a different question. But he is going into like a melting pot of a situation where any outcome is possible. He could be an absolute flop and do nothing, or he could be a wide receiver one because of the sheer opportunity and connection he builds with CJ Stroud. I think any outcome is available. Okay, Kendra Miller, pick 71 to the New Orleans Saints. Now, this guy has some upside because of what could potentially happen to Alvin Kamara. Yeah, again, another player takes a huge jump on my board as a result of the Alvin Kamara suspension. I'm not really worried about the other dudes on this roster. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I, the only person there you're really worried about, I suppose, Um it's probably Jamal Williams. It's the only guy there I think can hinder his opportunity a little bit, but Jamal Williams is 28, right? Um, we're at the point where he's at the back end of his career. Alvin Kamara, very similar with the ban. He's probably at the back end of his career. Um, you know, they're at, they're at the point now where they've, they've got very old running backs on their roster. They don't have anyone young within a year. They could easily move to someone like uh, Kendra Miller. I don't think he's going to see a lot of action year one but I do think he's someone in Dynasty that has a bit of value uh, for after this year because of the age and the opportunity. Yeah. Next up, we've got Jalen Hyatt, 
uh, obviously the Tennessee volunteer wide receiver drafted by the New York Giants. So I'm not sure what that does for his value because Giants receivers either. It's just a bit of a scrapyard right there at the moment. But he did go pick 73 after falling because there was chat about end of first round possibly for Jalen Hyatt, but went to the Giants at round three and... Yeah. I mean, he takes he takes a fall in my board. Um, for me, he does drop to um, wide receiver seven in this class. He's someone I did think could sneak into the first round. Didn't happen. He's a bit of a one-trick pony, but you know what? Again, you look at... The draft capital's not great, hence why he takes a fall on the board. It's not terrible either. Um, but on the flip side of that, amazing opportunity because wide receivers are a position they heavily lack in. There's just not that many weapons on that roster. Um, I think you and I could probably still compete for some uh, practice squad spots. That That's how little they have a wide receiver there. So I look at that and think, great, he's going to... And because of his threat, there isn't anyone else like him on this roster. So he can literally burn downfield. He can get... Um, explosive plays. He can establish himself as the alpha. The talent is there. The question is, is he going to develop enough rapport with um, Daniel Jones? And is he going to get that opportunity? I think he's the sort of guy that could have those sort of like three for 144 and two games, but he could also end up with complete duck eggs or goose eggs or whatever you want to call them um, or bagels or whatever the terminology is and get zero points in a week. That sort of player, (laughs) boom or bust. But you know what? Shoot for the moon. I think it's a good landing spot. Not the best capital, but I like it. I don't hate it at all. I I definitely think today's podcast title should have been Shoot for the Moon. You and I have used that way too many times within 60, (laughs) 70 minutes. Right. Next up, we have Cedric Tillman. He went exactly the pick. I say exactly. He went the pick after Mm -hmm. his former teammate to the Cleveland Browns at pick 74. Uh, injured last year after two or three games when Jalen Hyatt rose to relevance. Uh, Cedric Tillman, I think he's got a, a clear path, not a clear path, but I think he's good enough to go straight into Cleveland here and, and get the wide receiver three job, if not higher. Definitely the wide receiver three job. I think he can easily get the wide receiver two job at some point, whether he's getting that from Donovan Peoples-Jones or whether he's getting that from Mari Cooper remains to be seen. But definitely you would expect this offense to be better. You'd expect it to do more. I, I quite like the landing spot for Cedric Tillman. He's one of the guys I've been keeping an eye on that I thought would be a really exciting third-round rookie pick. I think now he could even slide into the, the second round. I do have him as my wide receiver 11 um, in this cast currently, uh, just behind Jaden Reed and ahead of Tank Bell. Um, but I do think, for me, I love the upside that this player can bring. He's going to have to break some opportunity to make it work. But, yeah, I, I, I like it. As you say, clear path to opportunity. Uh, give me more of that. So, next up, Tucker Craft, Green Bay, another tight end. As if one wasn't enough, they drafted a second one at pick 78. Yeah. So, I have him directly behind uh, Luke Musgrave um, because I genuinely don't know which one is going to get the more work. Uh, you would expect it's Luke Musgrave, but basically, one of these guys is going to eat, the other guy is going to be absolute dust. Um, neither, the, both of them aren't going to share the role. Uh, one is going to do very well. The other one is not going to do very well. It's just who is going to earn Jordan Love's trust remains to be seen. Again, has the potential because there's no one there. He is facing someone who's drafted higher. But how many times have we seen players where the lower drafted player has more to prove and ends up usurping the higher drafted player on the draft, on the the team and on the depth chart? So that is where I have um, Tucker Craft where he is because I don't think that just because he was drafted lower that he is automatically disqualified from winning the job. Yep. 
Absolutely. Josh Downs went pick in the next pick, pick 79, to the Indianapolis Colts. We have talked about Josh Downs. So we, uh, unless you've got anything else to add, Murph, we'll move on. Just shocked at how far he fell, really. I'm genuinely surprised. Uh, he, again, takes a fall down my uh, rankings uh, as a result of that. He's now not a huge fall, really. He's gone down to my wide receiver five. He's the top of that tier three. Because, again, I look at the opportunity. The draft capital goes against him a little bit, but not enough to disqualify him from that range. So I have him in a sandwich between Marvin Mims at the, underneath him and Zay Flowers above him. Yeah, okay. Next up, we've got Tajay Spears against Tennessee as a backup at the moment to Derek Henry. However, the Derek Henry train is starting to slow down and break apart. This was pick 81. How do you see Tajay Spears' fantasy value at the moment? None unless he start unless uh, Henry retires, gets injured. Um, that's really it. Um, but having said that, we know how old Derek Henry is, and we know that he's been picking up injuries the last couple of years. We know he's at the shelf life. Good dynasty pick, irrelevant or luxury handcuff pick for redraft. Um, yeah, someone who I don't think is going to see a lot of work uh, straight away, but injuries and everything could dictate another direction. Okay, this next guy, Devin A Chain for uh, Miami. So uh, pick eighty-four. Is it, is it A Chain? I think it's A Chain. Okay, I'm there. Yeah, I'm not good on names. Yeah, I, I mean, I lo- I love this pick because he goes to a system that yeah, I for him, I think it's the perfect system for him to go to. This this Miami team clearly value speed above pretty much everything else at the moment and he was the fastest running back in this year's draft and I don't think anybody in front of him really offers much resistance they got Raheem Moster and some other scrub who's pretty old um, for the life of me again my, my brain is not working today but yeah I think he I think he could be an absolute superstar in this Miami offense I really really do and I, I think I think it, it, I think he's got a great chance. Uh, of these players, I think he's got a great chance to succeed fantasy-wise this year than anyone at this range. Yeah, I mean, look, potentially I have him as my uh, running back six. I don't necessarily exclude Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson, who have both been part of uh, this system for quite a few years. Um, so I think broken. him... You certainly... Yeah, but he's still got... Here's the thing, right, with Miami running backs. I really don't want to touch any of them because the way that they get used is just not appealing to me. None of them are going to end up with a high ceiling. None of them are going to get used to uh, the biggest degree. Uh, They're all going to share the workload. You've got five running backs on this roster now. Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, and now Devin Akane or Achane or whatever his name is. He's just never. I think this is where running backs go to die. I'm the complete opposite. I get what you're saying from a scheme fit. I get what you're saying. People are really excited for this pick. I can't be. I have him as my RB six only on the fact that really. Well, sorry, I don't. I sorry, I have him as the RB eight. I have him in my tier six. Um, I have Spears as my RB six. I have him as the RB eight purely because the guys after him were drafted a lot later than him. It's literally yeah. the only reason that he's anywhere here. And I think the RB8 in this class is not one I'd be threatening about. Or I've probably spent more time talking about him than he will probably contribute to significant fantasy points this season. 
Well, let's hope that's not true because I am considering <laughs> taking him with my 103 in that league based on upside alone. I just would yeah, say no. Spicy. Let's talk about another running back who landed in Jacksonville. That's Tank Bigsby. The the uh, Auburn running back was picked at 88. This, this Does this spell trouble for Etienne or do you think he's a... No, no, no. They, they'll combine roles, right? So they don't want to run Etienne on every single pick uh, or every yeah. single play. Um, James Robinson still got a significant amount of work last year. Um, he comes in purely to replace uh, James Robinson. He'll get a significant amount of work. Uh, I really like this. I have um, I have Spears. Sorry, I have Big Spears. My <laughs> believe it or not, you're going to be shocked at this. I was my RB four in this class. Um, no, I'm serious. I really like. I like the landing spot. Jarv Capital's not amazing, but it's not bad for a running back. I just look at the talent below, and I think he's got the clearest path. We know what Pedersen likes to do with running backs. He likes to use multiple running backs. He has very good capability of having both running backs score uh, fantasy points. We've seen it time and time and time again. Yes, he's going to have down weeks. Yes, he's going to be a little bit inconsistent. But I look at ceiling play, and Tanks picks to be someone who could score those big like game-winning weeks. I guarantee that he will have a top five uh, like running back finish in fantasy football in 2023. It's going to happen. Because that's just how Doug Petson goes. He just will change it up and uh, surprise everyone. So, yeah, I, I love him in the sense of I've got him a tier complete on his own. I have him ahead of Kendra Miller. I have him just under Charbonnet. But, yeah, I, I'm probably a bit bigger on him than most. But opportunities there, coaches there, everything's good for me. Nice. Okay, pick 92 with Darnell Washington to Pittsburgh. This is a... This is a bit of a uh, an odd pick for me with Pat Freeman mm. who's already been there. But Darnell Washington... Is something like six foot eight, nine thousand three hundred thirty-two pounds, and ran a four four forty <laughs> or something stupid. Elite, like he, yeah, yeah. But I, I've heard my friend's uh, wife lives in Pittsburgh, and her brother is heavily into football. So if he ever hears anything, he lets my mate know, who lets me know. And apparently, Darnell Washington is up for moving to tackle because of the. <laughs> the need there. So I'm yeah. not sure. He's he's talked about being up for it, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see whether that happens. Yeah. See, he took probably the biggest drop in my tight end rankings. He drops to tight end six, um, borderline irrelevant as a result of that. Um, listen, I don't think he's got a clear path to opportunity uh, immediately, and they've got a very good young tight end there who does uh, impact free move, who um, did very, very well, and they, who's got a higher draft capital, who has proven on the field. I just don't see where, as you say, Washington's going to get a great load of, of work, um, yeah, I mean, really, I should probably flip him and put him below Schoonmaker as a result. I'm probably going to do that now, actually. Uh, but yeah, not a, not a huge fan of uh, landing spot and opportunity here. And given the fact that he fell quite significantly and where I thought he was going to go in the draft range, yeah, he falls massively down my board as a result. Okay, Epic 94, Arizona took Michael Wilson. Uh, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I don't really have any... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Michael Wilson uh, is not a player that I particularly have studied in, in great depth. I didn't really expect him to go as high as he did. Um, he was a player I think I had as a very late day three uh, pick. So to see him go uh, there, I know that there are some players that are very excited about him. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> We'll see what happens. I'm I'm not overly excited about him. I don't have him that high on my on my rookie rankings as a result. I think he's got a lot. We still got, unfortunately, well, fortunately, with Snook Hopkins is still there. Marquise Brown is still there. 
There's a lot of like guys on that roster at wide receiver as well. Clear path opportunity isn't there um, unless Nuke goes and it does free up some spots, but that hasn't happened yet. And that's going to need to happen for Michael Wilson to really sort of benefit and climb, um, climb significantly here. The final two picks uh, we've got for our round three roundup are Trey Tucker to Las Vegas at pick 100 and Cam Latu to San Francisco at pick 103, uh, 101, sorry, in round three. Murphy, either of those two, anything to say or should we talk about day three highlights quickly? Yeah, you can skip both of these. Uh, again, I don't think Latu, good. I don't think that's a great landing spot. Back up, tight end effectively to um, uh, George Kittle. So there, Trey Tucker, yeah, um, we can just skip that. Don't see him doing anything. Um, right. Okay. We've got you've got your day three highlights down as Charlie Jones wide receiver Bengals, Tyler Scott wide receiver Bears, Israel Abincaneda to the running back to the Jets, Chase Brown running back Bengals, Will Mallory tight end Colts, Trey Palmer wide receiver Buccaneers, and please add yours if any. And I have just seen that, so I have not added any. Um, <laughs> I I really 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 like Pukunakua to the wide receiver from BYU to the Rams. Big fan of that move, only because I, I really rate him as a wide receiver. Not that he's and he's going to be the uh, 2-2 Atwell for me of the, this year's draft class. But, Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that's just what you want to be. You want to be the 146 quarter pounders uh, of this draft. Good. No, I'm he's glad that that's... He's got to be bigger than that. No, not, I did, not 2-2. I, did. I meant um, Pukunakua. Oh, yeah, probably. But yeah, I mean, we'll see of, what of happens. That list, of that list, Murph, anybody you want to highlight? I, I can whisper them all really, really quickly. So I, I like Charlie Jones, the Bengals. He effectively is a Tyler Boyd replacement. Not going to do much um, immediately, but uh, again, I think you've got to look at him and go, he he will take over from uh, Tyler Boyd uh, next year once they sort of run out there. Or uh, even if they decide to not sign, re-sign T Higgins, he's too expensive. There's contract murmurings there. They can't seem to agree anything. Uh, I think he becomes instantly relevant. So I really like Charlie Jones. I think he's a good value um shot there to find a good path there. Uh, Rashawn Johnson, uh, yeah, listen, he's going at the Bears. It's a difficult field to get ahead of with Deonta Foreman and Khalil Herbert straight away. But again, I think both of those uh, running backs, Khalil Herbert clearly did earn the job, even though he's shown some flashes to take it exclusively from Montgomery or even after Montgomery went, they felt the need to sign Foreman. Foreman's getting on a bit. Uh, I think he's good value for this year, but I think he's a one-year flash. So you're looking at uh, Rashawn Johnson. He's going to fit nicely. Huge numbers after contact uh, in college. You're looking at 4.28 yards after contact, which is just absolutely massive. Um, <laughs> you've got to think, 4.2 yards, 4.28 yards after contact, that's probably more than a good number of running backs get as a yards per carry. So that tells you what he's like. Um, number, huge number of missed tackles just behind. Uh, and, you know, you got to remember, he was Bichon Johnson's or Bichon Robinson's like backup effectively yep. and he's freaking amazing like he would have started anywhere else in college had it not been Bichon in front of him so i love the value in the landing spot there um uh israel akin uh Appenkander, yeah I, I love this as well i think he he could really do something uh with the jets uh again i don't think they're going to stick with michael carter for too long so I do think they move, uh, like, I do think he can usurp him. And then you're looking at him being behind Brees Hall. I can see him adding some value. Uh, Trey Palmer. I, I like Trey Palmer. I think, uh, wasn't too sure when the Bucks made this pick. Didn't feel like with all the needs they had on this roster that this was someone they should take. But I think he's going to do kick returns and pump returns immediately. 
maybe this spells the end of Russell Gage. Who knows? Uh, but I think there's a clear opportunity. He's replacing effectively Scotty Miller uh, as a speedster. He's going to get out wide like this one as well. Um, and then uh, Will Mallory, um, the tight end, because you, you've always got to have a tight end, right? Because the tight end position is so important to fantasy football, he says non-sarcastically. Um, but actually, he's like a huge... He's huge, you know, really, really good tight end um, in terms of 4.54 speed, um, which is the fastest of any tight end in this class. Really explosive. Um, and just as a little side note, um, the reason I really like Will Mallory is he grew up with his dad being a tight end coach, um, which is always helpful. By the way, who did his dad coach? Jeremy Shockey and Jer- and uh, Jimmy Graham. Oh. So, so he knows he, his, tight his, end dad, his dad knows a few bits about being a tight end in the NFL. So if he's passed that on to his son and he's gone to a place where there isn't really a, a bona fide tight end on that roster. So if you're going to take a shot on the tight end of a rookie draft, skip all the other guys um, and just go Will Mallory. There you go. Speed says to get on the end of Anthony Richardson bombs, which won't be anywhere near him. So he'll need his size. <laughs> Okay, got it, got it. Right, Murph, rookie rankings. Do you want to do them now or do you want to do them on another pod? We do on another pod and I'll tidy them up a bit. I've kind of gone through some numbers here. What I will say is Anthony Richardson shoots to the top of my uh, running back board. uh, Sorry, QB board, although effectively is a running back. I've kind of gone through the um, running back numbers. I've got the first five guys in the tier of their own. So it's a tier one for number one, tier two for number two, tier three for number three, tier four for number four, tier five for number five. Um, And then wide receivers have moved around quite a bit, but... JSN still remains in a tier of his own. The second tier is dropped to just Johnston, Addison, and Flowers. And yeah, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, and Sam Laporta are all in my top tier at tight end. Uh, yeah, we can do the rest another time. But yeah, I feel like there's a lot of movement here. Again, it goes back to not a ton of elite guys. There is a few, but really there's a lot of guys. This is a draft. If you've got a lot of third and fourth round picks, take a lot of gambles and swings. Because the talent isn't going to fool you in the third and fourth round. So you might as well go for the guys with a big upside. And we'll continue to talk about this in the offseason uh, and all the way through as we start to see how the rest of free agency shakes up. Yeah. My final arrow up is the Georgia Eagles by DST by drafting a couple more Bulldogs to add to that already stacked roster. If your points for DSTs are crazy, then the Eagles won't be a bad pick this year. As always, got to get a DST joke in there. And also, the Patriots took a kick at Anna Punter for the first time since 2010, Murph? 2000. 2000, there you go. 23 years since a kick at Anna Punter were taken in the, by the same team. Look at you draft. taking over Murph on the streets there. I love well, it. I didn't, you know, you told me that the other day, and I thought if he doesn't drop it, it's something I remember, so I'm going to throw it in. Um, yeah, no, I love it. It's absolutely brilliant. We, before we hit hyperdrive on today's show, Murph, anything else you want to add, or is that, uh, that going to do it for today? No, um, I'm not here next week. So, Stocks, you're going to be here with uh, someone. um, (laughs) But I'll be back in two weeks' time. And we have a great guest in two weeks' time. One of my favourite guests is coming back in two weeks' time to talk some fantasy rookies and some fantasy strategy. He's one of the best dudes in the business. And he's definitely my favourite Canadian. Even more my favourite than Ryan Reynolds. Go Wrexham. I think I know who it is from that little teaser. <laughs> we will see you in two weeks after your rest and relaxation period, Rush Nation. I will see you next week in some form or the other yet to be decided. Don't forget to follow Murph on Twitter at Murph underscore NFL. Follow the podcast at Five Yard Rush. Head over to Patreon if you want to subscribe. We have some tears over there. Check out the website. There are articles dropping 
a bit more frequently now as we head towards the deepest, darkest parts of the off-season. Now the draft is done and uh, stuff's heading that way. But until next week or until two weeks' time for Murph, as always, don't forget Rush Nation. Keep rushing. the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.